Blog Talk Radio. that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network, and I'm tired. No, I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. It's an annual event in Washington, D.C., and as I understand it, it will be videoed again this year because of this faked-up virus crap. And... um, so that's all I know about that right now. It, tentatively, that's going to be the deal. We did quite well last year, um, thanks to Kaz and her sister Mary uh, managed to put that together for us because we didn't know till shortly before that um, they were they had to cancel the summit. You know, the live summit, which if you have ever been to one, it's quite an affair. Uh, that's where I met and Kaz met. Our co-host tonight, she's filling in for Cause, who's busy with Valentine's stuff. Uh, anyway, that was her story. And um, is <laughs> so we got Elaine Mickman with us. Elaine, say hello. Hi. Hi, Marty. Hi, Marty and everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, yes, it's been, oh, my goodness, it's been a long week. I'm getting jammed up. Uh, Cause is going to be taking over. Uh, some of the scheduling for me as much as she can handle. You know, she's busy with her business, which is what she's doing tonight. Anyway, that's what she said. And um, but uh, so for those of you listening and many of you, those who have contacted me, I'm just swamped. I just absolutely am swamped. And so I will be turning you over to cause and she will be making the decision if and when. And um, so we'll be going from there now. Uh, oh, Lord, I got so much going here. Um, our guest tonight is Christine Morrison, and I have her book, uh, which is Criminal, Judicial Criminals. And if you get this book, and I tell you it's worth the money, you get this book. It's available on Amazon and um, and on the PPJ in the promo there for this show. 
I have a direct link to that page on Amazon, so you can go right there. But um, you read this book, and it, it makes you want to get up and run around the room screaming that this could happen to anyone, but it's pretty much happened to Elaine also. And it the idea that these so-called judges are able to break the law from the bench, and they have immunity, they have protection uh, with this you know, one of the things that it says here that um, uh, they can they can issue a judgment or make an order, even if it's incorrect, meaning illegal, it's still binding. Now, what's wrong with this picture? And if you don't agree to it, you can be held in contempt. Well, what about the judge? Well, anyway, that aside, I say our guest is Christine Morrison. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you for the privilege. Oh, it's a privilege and, both ways, girl. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And to your listeners yeah. for their time. Yes. And I want I want to ask your listeners to please reach out to your congressional representatives. Doesn't matter what state you're in, reach out to them, tell them we want a national retroactive Legal System Accountability Act for widespread, massive, pervasive fraud, extortion by judges, attorneys, and court officials. Demand that they create a task force like they did for criminal justice reform. We want hearings with citizen testimony. And cite my webpage to them, please, judicialcriminal.com, and I'm going to ask you to post daily to social media to get the word out about what is happening in America's court system. It doesn't matter if it's probate court, federal court, it it just doesn't matter. So I'm going to start with, no, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It is a systemic criminal enterprise and everybody knows And I want to just say that what I'm about to say is not intended to be a criticism of anybody, but rather it shows how we all behave when confronted by powerful predators. So that's what this is about. And judges are the last in society that have created a rule for themselves of absolute immunity. So the definition of corruption, that's abuse of power for private gain at the expense of the powerless, the victims of legal system abuse. And the definition of a state is it's an entity that has monopoly over power over a given area. As an example, the state owns your child. Professor Dwyer made that statement, and I have that on my sidebar. So my story takes place from 1995 until 2009 in the family court system. And government can no longer ignore the family court black elephant. While America has ratified the international covenant of civil and political rights, America, America's ongoing failure to comply with the rule of law within a family court setting has left many in poverty, destroyed families, led to a maraud of human right abuses and suicides of parents and children. These practices are unlawful 
common and unconscionable and should be the subject of a United Nations human rights investigation. And I encourage people from other countries that can file a criminal complaint in the International Criminal Court to do so and, and to utilize my webpage as an example of what is happening in America's family court system. So I am going to expose the family court judge's abuse of power exercised with no accountability, responsibility, or morality. It's to obtain redress for victims to compel reform. And the only reform would be a national retroactive legal system accountability act for the widespread massive pervasive fraud in the legal system. So my story starts with, it documents on my webpage, Michigan Family Court Judges, Abuse of Power and Me Blowing the Whistle on the Connivance Between Power and Politics. I list the Michigan case from 1998 that says, noting that a party must obey an order entered by a court with proper jurisdiction, even if the order is clearly incorrect or the party must face the risk of being held in contempt. And that includes losing your life, liberty, and property illegally. The government is supposed to protect the citizens' rights and property, and they do neither. So I start with Macomb County Circuit Court, as fact number one, entered a non-consented-to settlement agreement, reduced it to three judgments that were non-consented, and illegally subjected me to parental alienation, unjust inappropriate child support enforcement, bench warrants, no bond, the loss of my home and all contents, professional licenses, and retirement accounts by an attorney malpractice trial and life savings for a parental right that I had prior to entering this court. This non-consented settlement agreement, the free non-consented judgment should be void ab initio. And Michigan Democratic State Representative Stone, in 2019, I gave her my book, along with Congressional um, Rep. Andy Levin and Senator McMorrow, and I told them that I wanted this presented to the U.S. Congress for a task force. And Representative Stone wrote in an email to me, with all that said, it is still well documented that either recourse is an uphill and sometimes impossible battle for a person when looking for judicial recourse and is in need of reform. I had agreed to, on court transcript, joint legal and joint physical custody. There was no property settlement. It was a simple case. So this is what the state and the attorneys did. Macomb County Circuit Court, judge number one, fact number one, there was no client consent or modification to an original or two amendments of consent judgment of annulment. The court docket falsified this. August 19, 1997, it says consent judgment of annulment. September 2nd, 97, it says amended consent judgment of annulment. 
September 8th, 1997, it says second amended judgment of annulment. I can tell you, on August 19th, on the court docket, there was a motion up for sole custody to me because that motion clearly documented countless temporary parenting time directive violations, including a kidnapping of my daughter and taking her out of state. It clearly showed that joint legal physical custody was never going to work. So that was in 1997, and I keep asking, what jurisdiction did the state of Michigan have over me with a non-consented-to settlement agreement entered by the state and attorneys without my signature or consent? So two years later, in front of the chief circuit court judge, Massaroni, on court transcript, he's asking me, consent judgment of annulment, what is your issue regarding it? I say the validity of it. I never consented or signed that. He says your attorney did. I say, he said to form only, not content, my only right, parenting rights. He says you're objecting to items that have been entered almost two years ago, and that's entitled to consent judgment of annulment. I say not without signature. He says that was approved as the form only, and as far as ILO, my attorney, was concerned and signed by opposing counsel Paracas. If there was any problem, it should have been appealed. And I say I never consented. So in October of 2000, my new attorney filed a motion to conform the judgment to the consent agreement placed on the court record June 3rd of 1997. This chief judge took that under advisement, and to date, it remains under advisement. October 2001, in a attorney malpractice trial I had, there were two issues, the settlement agreement that I never consented to, and him, Aiello, never getting accurate financial records on my ex-spouse. So in this trial, the defense counsel says and stipulates on the record, I'll stipulate that the clients did not sign either amendment. The court says, okay, this was an Oakland County Circuit Court in front of Judge Templin. So my attorney says, or the original. The defense counsel, Geyer, says, or the original. Therefore, what's jurisdiction did the state have over me with a non-consented to settlement agreement entered not once but three times incorrectly when during the original entry there was only a motion for sole custody up. So in the trial, in the attorney malpractice trial, same day my attorney asks, do you recall whether Ms. Morrison was in court with you August 19th? Aiello, I can't remember. My attorney, is that your signature on the document? Yes. So you approve that judgment. I can't remember. Aiello, whatever a judge says, you do. If the judge says sign it, sign it. If the judge says don't sign it, don't sign it. You know that. I do what the judge tells me. Now, is that 
could that possibly be construed as a, a conspiracy against rights? I never consented. Yes. Now the judge is telling them to enter a judge a judgment that I never consented to was never there, and it was for a motion for sole custody. Not only is it a conspiracy, in my opinion, against rights, it's a deprivation of rights under color of law and a violation of the intangible right to honest services. So, okay, off, stop October, for a minute, Christine. Christine, stop for a minute. Yeah. You, I know you sent this book. You sent this book to all the legislators, and you got the I response did. from one. Did Senator you ever, Grassley. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I, I did you get a response to, from anyone? I got zero Other than the one? I mailed it, just the Democratic Rep Stone from Michigan. I sent this book to many okay. law professors, deans, attorneys, Judge Aguilina through Michigan State uh, University, through the dean there. I asked him to give her a copy of the book. I sent him two because she, rep- she was on the Larry Nazar case. And no response from any of them. But hey, Christine. This- yes. Can I jump in? Well, one of the yeah. problems is yeah. that a lot of the people you're, a lot of the people that you're sending it to are contacting it, and I'm not naming a name specifically, but these are all people who are part of, part of the problem, you know? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. They're all part of the little, they're all in court. You say conspiracy, but, yeah, you could say that's all coordinated. Massive pervasive fraud. They're part yeah, of that. And, and just the to entire let you know. Mm-hmm. And just one at a time, girls. One at a time. A friend of mine just filed uh, about, was uh, about two weeks ago, she just filed at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court permission to appeal for one of the things that happened was she, a lawyer, also signed away her annuity. She never signed for it. And then this woman ended up on a collateral issue. She tried suing under like RICO because the uh, whatever company that she had the annuity from, they hadn't. They had a fiduciary duty to her, and they allowed some attorney who was not this woman to sign away her stuff. So, so even when they don't put a guardian on you, they're still operating using the guardian tactics, whether they use some lawyer yes. and just sign your yeah, – they're just signing away your assets and uh, – Right, this, illegally, all yeah. illegal. Uh, absolutely, when, and, and they uh, sort of use these guardian – they use guardian ad litem in my case with, with the child custody as a tool to confiscate right. six figures Your from assets. me. Your assets. Yeah, I had to nothing. Take I was, to take everything no. from you illegally under the yes. color of law. Yeah. yeah. You know, people don't realize yeah. this, but when you enter these courts, you're put in the lion's den at feeding time. There's no escape. Yes. And it's not a matter of any experienced attorney. You're up against treacherous, vicious predator thieves. And no matter what appeals you file, there were many in my case, they're all dismissed and sitting there. I have two motions in this case taken under advisement with no ruling and a settlement agreement entered without my consent signature. And again, where's the jurisdiction over me? You have no concept of how brutal it is. It destroys your psyche, soul, 
I mean, you have hidden shackles around your wrists and legs until the child ages out of the system. You know, you're pillared, stoned, humiliated, dragged in by show-cause contempt orders where they issue no-bond warrants for you if you don't show up. And if you show up, they still do that. While financially being robbed for, for legal system abuse. Yeah, they charge you. Basically, they leave, they're, they're kind of in a, you know, in so many words, they're legally raping you and then sending you the bill for it. <laughs> and yes, and yes, by the yes. way, the courts have escalated with their tactics where they're actually, they run out of excuses to deny people who they shouldn't. So now they started, impo- you know, obstructing people's um, right to appeal. So they will make up excuses to, like, quash or dismiss all kinds of uh, nonsense when, well, I can tell you in Pennsylvania, your right to appeal is protected, and it's embedded right into our Constitution. It's a right. It's it's a guaranteed right, yet they have um, uh, used this, uh, the quashes or dismissals without any, you know, without any legitimate or legal uh, justification. So, yeah, these courts are, they really run amok. And and can I say, Marty, and Christine, I'll let you know also that I've gone to these legislators. And by the way, for about the last six weeks or eight weeks or so, when I've called different legislators and I've called them multiple, multiple legislators at the state level and federal, they're not picking up their telephones, nor are they responding by email. And in Pennsylvania... Oh. In Pennsylvania, they introduced this bill, which now it has to be uh, voted for on the spring ballot. And that particular bill is to limit the future um, emergency declaration to 21 days so that the governor can't just come in and say it's an emergency and run the state like a dictator. So I had can asked I, for can I, Wait a minute. Let me tell you something. There is a, a in the Michigan or yeah the michigan and pennsylvania constitutions there mm-hmm. is a section in there that says neither the governor nor the legislature nor any agent of the government can interfere with your right to conduct business with your life they can't do these lockdowns they can't shut you down they have no authority even in a, a declared emergency they can't do this and their agents can't do this and it, no one can enforce these illegal edicts that they put out uh your your state constitution prohibits them from doing this but here you've got most of your governments shut down state and local they're you know working from home that's why nobody's answering the phone uh nobody's in the (laughs) office and you don't have anybody's home phone number and so they're sitting around eating bonbons in their jammies while they're conducting state business because they might get the virus yeah, we'll go find one first. But yeah, anyway, I know. Um, but I asked Marty what yeah, I want to is, know is I tried to ask them why not introduce a bill to put some limits on the uh, judiciary as well. No response. Right. They they remain silent. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I just want to put that out there. And I've asked multiple times for ten years. I've asked, but now it's, uh, I really, you know. Put it to them. Why yeah. not do a side-by-side bill? How can you ask for a limit on the executive branch, but not on the judicial branch? Can't get any, right. but can't get anyone to, you know, uh, you know, stand up for that. But 
Go ahead. <laughs> well, Elaine, out there at the summit, when, when we met you, when me and Cos met you, uh, and I don't know if you noticed or not, uh, most of the offices for the representatives and senators were closed, and they weren't in the building. They didn't want to be there confronted with this stuff, and so many of us were running the halls, knocking on doors. And <clears throat> the thing is, if if you can get anywhere near one, these people will look you dead in the eye, <coughs> excuse me, and will lie to you. And it's always the same thing. Well, I never heard of such a thing. It must be an isolated <laughs> incident. incident. Oh, well, nobody right. told me mm-hmm. about it. Well, I didn't know. Well, I'm going to look into this, and I'll get back to you because this is concerning. And I just openly say you're not going to get back to me about anything. In fact, you're going to deny you ever met me and talked to me. And they get really mad then, but I don't like BS at all. And um, But this is the, the response you get. This virus has pre- right. created the perfect cover for all of this. Right. Nobody's answering the phone. There's nobody in that office. No, they're and you all can't at home. email and them either if home. you're not in your district. Yep. Nope. Right. Yep. Oh, and that's another one. We call that getting zipped. And that's a, the first thing they'll ask you is what your zip code right. is. So right. my advice, everyone, is before you contact any of these people, find out what district or, you know, what area they represent. Use a zip code from there. Because otherwise they will zip you. You're not in my district, and therefore, you know, it's, it's a professional courtesy. Um, I can't speak to you. Look, the vote you make is going to affect me. Are you going to issue a statement that your vote only affects the people in your district? No, you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why can't you talk yeah. to me? Why can't you talk to me? But this is how they dodge you. This is how they get away with doing whatever they want to do. So you always get the zip code of the area they're representing. And when they say, what zip code are you in? Well, I'm in this one. And, um, Hmm. oh, you know, I've had 20, 30 different zip codes. Anyway, uh, it just, but this is what I'm saying. This is, and I'm going to say this outright, the lionist, most deceitful, conniving, (laughs) irresponsible, unaccountable, you shouldn't even be in there, bunch sitting in D.C. I, I mean, when did we ever think we were going to see a day like this? But from, you know, what I study, what I get into, apparently it's always been like this. But until the Internet came up and all of this, we didn't know how bad these people actually were. But once they yeah. get into that office, they get all about you. They forget, It's all about making money, getting favors, who likes them, who doesn't, you know, who's going to knock on their uh, lobbyists can go in their office take a nap on the sofa and have lunch catered in. You can't get five minutes with the chief of staff. Now, you yeah. know, I, I just see a problem with that. But anyway, yeah, I blew fraud. off my mouth. You can't get any time for yeah. fraud, for widespread, yep. massive, yep. pervasive fraud, extortion. Yep. Right. And so, you know, they now they don't know for They can't say they don't know for God's sake. We're blowing up the net with this stuff. We're one of many, many, many radio shows out here talking about this. This is why alternative radio, people like us, you know, that do like blog talk and all this. Right. Why these stations are so popular, why nobody's listening to mainstream media. It's us that actually puts out the news that talks about things honestly. That True. You know, says True. What we the media think. is one-sided. And yes. And then right. They're not going to present truth. 
And there's also the fear that they got this cancel culture, which people in the court system, all of us who have been people that's been victimized, we've always been part of the, you know, cancel culture. (laughs) I mean, when I say can't, we're the ones being canceled, but now it's, it's out there for everyone to hear about. And when we go to some of these people, whether it's media, even when you find someone in mainstream media, or if there's a legislator who really does care and want to help, they're afraid of being targeted in that cancel culture themselves. So now they're just like, you know, looking the other way and remaining lame. And it's Silent. really terrible. It's really awful. Right now. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't know. So, you know, it doesn't matter but you don't what the Michigan. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, it doesn't matter what the Michigan Constitution says. The state, uh, any state or federal constitution, it doesn't matter what the statutes say, the Bill of Rights, the Universal Bill of Rights, it's reverse. They do not follow the rule of law, period. It doesn't no. matter what it exactly. is. The whole system is one word, fraud. And there's no recourse for ordinary citizens caught in this endless nightmare until a child ages out of the system. And what they do to you, the only motivator is money, Title 4-D, the fraud. And going back to the judgments from 1997 until 2009, here's the statement of Why, 22 years later, the Michigan Supreme Court Justice McCormick in the Foster versus Foster case said, normally we do not permit collateral attack on an underlining judgment. That says it all. So therefore, no matter what appeal you file, no matter how egregious, they don't allow collateral attack. October 3rd, 2019, in the Foster versus Foster case. And in that case, within the first five minutes, the judge is saying, "Uh, can we remand this case back to the lower court for something they didn't understand? Well, this is what they didn't understand. Uh, The court ruled disability compensation is federally protected under 38 U.S.C., 5301 and cannot be used as funding source for a veteran's obligation in divorce proceedings. This ruling came after more than two decades of illegal court orders administered by state courts and courts nationwide. They didn't understand that. They just got caught. And then they wanted to uh, Uh. amend it silently back to the lower court. Well, Okay, then I have listed here, which says it all, Cole Stewart. He was a parent, lawyer, legal activist, and former partner at a large international law firm. He said it's time to recognize family court for what it is, a corporate crime ring raiding parents and children of financial and psychological well-being and devouring our children's future. And in a lawsuit, he said, divorce lawyers illegally conspire with judges to steal from parents as part of a racketeering criminal enterprise. And he brings 30 claims of federally indictable crime. Civil rights violations, fraud, obstruction of justice are federal crimes, even for judges. But it doesn't matter. Any lawsuit you file against the system, they dismiss it. And Richard Cogera... 
He's his webpage, Judicial Discipline Reform. He has the federal judiciary. Mm-hmm. It says it all. They dismiss appeals, complaints, and our politicians and congressional representatives have known it for decades and have elected to turn a deaf ear. So in another case, a Michigan case, the Adkin case, uh, the attorney wrote, this unconstitutional parental intrusion by family courts in this country is, has, caused financial ruin and emotional distress for post-judgment parents and children that ultimately have a negative effect on government fiscal. And that goes to Title 4-D, incentive payments to the state court. He writes, the problem is that U.S. family court system can act as a black hole where the presumption of innocence is a fairy tale. Make-believe laws rule the land and successful appeals are a unicorn, creating a safe haven for unfriendly parents and family court dictators to reap material wealth. And any unfortunate family that enters its boundaries risks finding themselves at a point of no return until the children age out of the system. And in July 2020, the U.S. Commission on Unalienable Rights acknowledged the most important obligation of the U.S. government under the Constitution is to protect its citizens' unalienable rights, which it accomplishes by giving expression to those rights in positive law of the land. Well, Nazi criminals called to answer crimes against humanity brought up the concept of positive law. We were simply obeying the law. We were just following orders. So, so Christine, I'm going oh, to... I was just going to say, you know, these laws, they're nothing more than a suggestion, and they're used when they're convenient for judges. But just because a child turns 18, they the, the court doesn't get off your back <laughs> just because your child you think they age out and I can promise you because in my case um, the court had a $550,000 entry put into the title IV computer system just giving my ex-husband a credit for money that he never sent into the system it was never dispersed they just put $550,000 on there and what it did was created a phony bogus overpayment so my children owed their father's child support my children have my minor children uh had paid my ex-husband uh about 200 about 250,000 dollars so my minor children had to pay the father child support the way they sent it they paid was not through a check but by loss and reduction of their child support and when my youngest child was only 17 and 12th grade his support was completely terminated and then my ex-husband filed a petition asking for the additional uh it was about three hundred and thirteen thousand dollars and i was sent a court order to show up with a check for three hundred and thirteen thousand dollars which of course i didn't have it and I filed a response, and when I cited different federal regulations and codes that were being violated, yeah. see, I don't think anybody, I don't think any of these people even know the law. Even their lawyers that work, they're dumber than 
dirt, I have to say, most of them. Uh, they just get away with writing up whatever they want. They write court orders without even knowing the law. But when I filed some answer, all of a sudden my ex-husband wanted to withdraw that petition. He, don't, he doesn't want the federal authorities after him because they were laundering money through the Title IV-D computer system. However, the county didn't care. The county, I have a transcript. They said they don't care if my ex-husband withdrew this. They want that money from me. The county right, wants me. Right, they want they right. want me or my child to pay over about three hundred thousand dollars of child support when I'm the parent who raised my child, my children for the last uh, eighteen years, seventeen and a half years, all by myself, one hundred percent of the time. And that was because my ex-husband deserted, and he didn't, you know, he left the country. He doesn't want any. He didn't want visitation. But they use the children, as Marty always says, a commodity to make money. But I'm just saying exactly. right now, that that overpayment, if you want, it's still outstanding. And I don't know where I stand at this point because I have things that I had filed and appeals going on. I'm just saying, even when your kid ages out, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're out of the financial aspect of it. It might alleviate, like, let's say things like visitation, those types of things. But, what you know, visitation? Well, hey, parents um, don't get, yeah. quote, visitation. They, they don't get any parental rights. Once they enter these courts, they don't enforce your parental rights. They only enforce child support against a non-custodial parent. There's no punishment for um, the custodial parent that violates uh, parenting order directives. And going back to Title IV-D of the Social Security Act, under fact number two on my webpage, I have the government's website where the cumulative collections from 1976 to 2018 totaled over $616 billion. Now think mm -hmm. about this. For every dollar the state court um, the state courts collect, let, let me rephrase that. On page 42 on this government site, they call it cost effectiveness. So the state courts collect between one to eleven dollars in incentive payments. For instance, Michigan's total collections in 2018 was over it was 1.3 billion dollars michigan reported 24 little over 24 billion in undistributed child support collected and received a little over 25 million in estimated incentive payments so the united states Office of Child Support Enforcement is supposed to conduct a audit of each state's program at least every three years. Through Congressman Le uh, Sandy Levin's office, I requested that to the Washington office. No response. I cannot find that in the government uh, resource uh, data, nor can I find parental uh, any punishment for violating a parental uh, visitation, nothing like that, the, nothing for the best interest of the child. The only thing that I see 
is the massive amount of money that they've collected. Family court is not in the best interest of the child. It is only about the divorce family law industry, which is now, a $50 is about the billion best. Dollar industry. It's truly and about it's the about best interest. You, yeah, it's, it's about, about the state it's treasury of the government, the system, because, um, in fact, even um, just – as an example, I used to go to these commissioner meetings before the COVID. So I was going there a couple of years. And uh, it was interesting that this one time, you know, maybe a year and a half or I forget the exact date, when uh, the court keeps charging all kinds of fees, every year it goes up, more and more things are getting feed. And, you know, they won't give people fee waivers. Very seldom will they give an indigent person a fee waiver. So I'm sitting at this meeting and with the extra uh, it was well over a million dollars in revenue that was ex in excess revenue than more than they usually made because they were charging fees to everyone for everything. Where did they put the money into their uh, the people, the county employees, into their own pension fund? Okay, so all this money they're making, they're not using it to redistribute it and for the benefit of the county. They were stuffing it into their own pensions. So that's right. all about. Yeah. Right. Do you remember? Right. Do you remember the mm-hmm. last? I think it was about the last year of the Obama administration, and uh, they were using it as leverage, talking about Social Security, and we had to borrow a billion and a half dollars to fund Social Security to keep it solvent. You're a liar. They did borrow a billion and a half dollars, but it was to fund child support recovery. When the federal government wants to implement one of their business plans in your state, there's a memorandum of understanding. Then there is the formal contracting that says what everybody's going to get, what everybody's going to do, blah, blah, blah. And then comes the formal contract. Once they contract with the federal agency counter to the like, it's in your state, child support recovery, you know, children's service, and they've got the federal level. Once that contract is, it then comes funding, which you and I would recognize as bribery, and they get a whole <laughs> bunch of money, uh, no strings attached, and this right. allows them to set up their business plan in your state, okay? And then the state comes and says, you all must abide by this contract that we signed with the federal agencies, even though you were never party to it. But anyway, that aside, so they get X amount of dollars every year. They get 66% of their administrative fees paid, They and there's no limit on how big that administration can be. They get all kinds of – they get um, bonuses for the DNA collection uh, of kids. They get – I mean, there's just all kinds of perks and things in there to keep everybody busy. They also, right. under Title 20 – Title 20 – are these block grants to the states that come out every year. There again, Social Security doesn't pay any of this. It's only administered by Social Security, just as Title IV is. It's only administered. It isn't funded by. And these block grants, I I use it because this one always just stuck with me. It was the state of Illinois in 2015. Got a $42 million block grant under Title XX. $19 million of that was earmarked for elder services. That same year, Illinois targeted, imprisoned, and held hostage a number of elderly people that could have been well cared for for $19 million. Believe me, I can squeeze a quarter to the eagle craps. 
I could have done a lot with $19 million for elderly people. But the money yeah. goes directly into the state treasury, no strings attached, no accounting for it. You can't see where they ever right. spent a dime on elder services right. or whether they ever spent a dime on child custody or anything. It just goes right. in there and gets blown on this and that and something else. And yes, uh, But well, it is a racket. Well, there's a, there's a name for this. Fraud. Extortion. Yes. You should read the Melanie Cummings testimony that I have on my webpage under fact number two. Basically, she says okay. welfare reform has usurped our system of law and destroyed liberty and justice for all. She says it's yeah. about the money to the states, not to the children. Yes. And that's yeah. all it's about. She said there's hundreds of millions of dollars in unobligated and undistributed funds reported to the DHHS. And yes, there's a Miss uh, Renee Beaker, who's the chair of the Michigan uh, National Organization for Women, that said that said good fit mothers are losing custody of their children in 70% of contested cases along with their homes, professional licenses, and life savings. That's what this wait is minute, about. Wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, stop. Where, where, do, where do they get off taking your professional licenses? <laughs> I, I guess the lawmakers think it's in the, yeah, the, the lawmakers think it's in the best interest of uh, a parent to have their occupational licenses suspended. Their homes leave Oppressing to the oppress you. To, they to need to be oppressed. held accountable for crimes against humanity, period. They should be really, all of them, tried in the International Criminal Court for what they do to yes. innocent, uh, a, a innocent parent and their child. They kidnap they, the child, right. hold the yes. child for ransom, while the parent has yes. uh, hidden shackles around their wrists and uh, ankles and a noose around their neck for money. Yes. Only yes. money. They They're being extorted. They parental right. rights. This is maximized. Says, you can get both of you. Hold on here a second. We got a caller. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hold on. Everybody take a deep breath. And I know who this is. How you doing, Luann? Hi. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, this is a really good show. I'm, you know, and I wanted to talk about a little bit about I can relate to everything you're saying, and especially in Colorado, this last week, this whole town just blew up because there was a $2.5 million payout that stopped a lawsuit of a uh, misconduct of nearly two dozen judges and administrators that remained secret when they gave a multi-million dollar contract to a former judicial department employee who threatened to expose it all if she was fired. So all of a sudden we got all this stuff in here, uh, you know, about um, all of a sudden we like state high courts hears calls for transparency, reform Colorado Judicial's branch, discrimination. Hallelujah. Um, conduct <laughs> silence. And then the governor yeah. gets on there and he says, this type of conduct has no place in Colorado. Every person should feel safe in the workplace. Every Coloradan should be able to feel confident in the integrity of our judicial system and the highest standards to which we hold our what judges' judicial system intensely. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've been telling about these people, yeah. these crooks, for seven years now, and now they're finally saying, I think we might have a problem. 
You know, Thanks. this has been going on for so, decades. This fraud, the fraud, and everybody been going on for decades. Yeah. The United yeah. States of corruption. It's the United States of yes. corruption. It and in these so courts, out here. they want to maximize They're going to push it all underneath the carpet and say, well, this is a one-time incident. I have a feeling yeah. that's sure. Yes. Yes. Yep. No, there's yep. too well, many groups out fun. there. This yeah. is a global crisis. It's not only in America. America needs no. to stand up. Our Congress needs to uh, take action and show that Americans can lead the way for legal system reform, accountability act, and the rest of the world will follow. This is a global crisis in these courts. These judges follow absolutely no rule of law. As my case and my experience document via transcripts, right? So these people, you know, need, no, we I, need a no, we need a national retroactive legal system accountability <laughs> act. We need the creation of a criminal court in the United States. We need to open up the state and federal appellate courts, and for all the victims that have been defrauded, extorted from, they need to be restored and made whole again. And these perpetrators well, need Christine, to be brought to justice. They do, but you can't have a retroactive act. The Constitution of the United States prohibits ex post facto laws. In other words, go backwards. and yeah. But see, that only applies to you and me. Um, the government passed one, and they gave AT&T and all of them, you know, a pass on stuff they'd been doing, ripping people off for 20 years, all these telecom companies. And so, yeah. see, it only applies to you. It, it We can't have retro ex post facto on the general mm-hmm. public. It's just for big corporations. we we got to protect them, you know. And um, But, yeah, this is um, – this whole thing, uh, we were talking earlier today. I can't even remember who all I talked to. Honest God, my ear is going to fall off. Um, but about uh, the fact that uh, the, these family courts, including child support recovery, and these probate courts were all split away from the state courts. And the difference in that is this. These probate, and these are tribunals. They are not courts of law. You need to understand that they are not courts of law. They do not operate under the law. They use statute and code and regulation. They don't have to provide you with due process. They don't have to give you a jury trial. They're not required to provide any evidence of what they claim you have been doing, like you, you know, as we talked about in guardianship, um, they found you covered in urine and feces, starving to death, living in squalor, and they can't even identify the person they're coming against into one person lineup. They've never seen them. And but they're stand up they're never asked for evidence. They don't have to provide any evidence. And they don't have to follow the rules of evidence, the code of civil procedure. They can do whatever the hell they want. And they do. And these were split away because it we this is when we became commodified. We were no longer human beings. We were no longer mom, dad, grandma, grandpa and the kids. We were commodities. How much is that child worth? How much is that elder person worth? Do they have an estate? What's in it? Can we get it? Uh, they can raid your bank accounts and your savings. They can break into trusts and wills. These are supposed to be sacrosanct. You're not supposed to be able to touch these. They do it every day of the week. And 
but I was down when I was still in Minnesota here a few years ago. Uh, I was down at the, the legislature, and we were fighting about this. And then uh, I was there several times on this issue. But anyway, one day in the hallway, one of the judges said to me about, you know, you don't understand, Marty. He said, you don't understand. If we we hadn't uh, created, you know, split this away, the state courts were just overwhelmed. He said, if we hadn't split this away, he said, we'd had to hire more judges and more courtrooms, rent more courtrooms. I said, isn't that what you just did? Oh, you created a whole other legal system. And I had, at that same day, what that same man said, what we need is a citizens commission, oversight yeah. commission, and these judges at these turn. He goes, well, Marty, he said, you know, you can't have ordinary citizens make decisions about what judges do. You don't know anything about the law. I said, well, listening to some of the decisions you've rendered, apparently neither do you. And <laughs> at which point I thought they were going to escort me out of the building. <laughs> but this, this is the, the issue. These people have this wall up, and we can't get in it. I mean, Luann, look at how you fought out there in Colorado, you know, oh. trying to get things to work. And, you know, we have we have people all over the country, all kinds of groups, uh, advocacies, people trying to get to end every time without fail. These representatives and senators, whether it's state or federal, well, I never heard of such a thing. Well, nobody told me about it. Well, it must be an isolate. Well, it's surely not as bad as you're trying to make it out to be. Well, let's do it to you and see what you think afterwards. That's and, right. You know, I, I don't know why we can't. Like with these predators out of CPS that are just looking to increase their bonus. Uh, and then this is, you know, this is a thing with power, too. Um it, it creates a mindset, that power mindset, that they can actually control someone else's life, and you can't do anything to them. And yeah. they can take everything you own, and you can't exactly. do anything to them. And, and that's you know, exactly what they're doing in these courts, taking everything you have illegally with no notice on yep. top of it, ex-party, yep. and coming after your yep. family and taking, stealing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you know yeah. what? And I don't know if Christine knows this, but you know, in addition to all this, while we're under freedom of attack, uh, uh, while our speech, our freedom of speech is under attack, you know, right. in my case, in my case, they ordered away my constitutional due process rights. I have a court order that I'm trying to appeal, and they're trying to prevent me from appealing it that orders away my constitutional right to even file in court to try and get recourse. So think about that. It's bad enough when they take everything, and then you want to use some legal remedy to for redress, and they say, oh, no, you're not a human being anymore. You Like, I... It's almost like I think a cat or a dog has more rights than I have at this point. Um, yeah. They're turning they're turning the clock back to like to the Dred Scott days where uh, certain people want you know um, I don't want to get involved with you know yes. racing or something. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying a group of people weren't even allowed in court because they said oh no you don't even have the right to be in court. Well they're they're bringing right. those days back. I'm not saying big, oh, with with uh, with any kind of race component, but I'm just saying with a uh, people in, in general. Court, yes, yes, they're uh, they're you targeting no, you are individuals. Yeah, they're targeting disadvantage. And the and law, I, I said, the law only applies if it can be used against you. 
Otherwise, yes. they skip over it, pretend they don't know about it. They reinterpret it. I love that one. Um, and yeah. they think it means something else. And But it's only the law only works as long as it, they can target you with it. But you turn that same law around and try to use it on them and say, you know, you've done this, this, and this, and it's a violation according to the U.S. Code and this and that. Well, well, well you know, we're immune. I had, a, I had a question for Christine. Has, has all this uh, cancel culture and all this ruckus with freedom of speech, has it impacted uh, your book sales? Or is it, this, you know, has, has it increased it, decreased it? Um, not really. No, I've had, I think on my webpage over 30,000 visits. So I think a lot have been from congressional reps that I have, uh, reached out to. And I know that they've taken a look at what is written now because I've summarized my book out there, but social media has censored me telling me that I'm violating the rules. The truth violates the rules. You know, the media is one way only. That's why blog talk shows like yours are important for people to listen to. And I think maybe you could consider doing on Fridays for victims of legal system abuse, let them come on and share their stories because there is absolutely no remedy at law in America's court system, none. They they need to disclose that to the people, that their courts yes. are a fraud. Yes. And Yes. Do you know, really years do. ago out in Boston, there was a, a lady, and I believe she was either a judge or an attorney, and I, I can't remember because this has been many years ago. Her name was Barbara Johnson, and she wrote a book, which is still available in some places, called Behind the Black Robes. And it was an expose of just what we're talking about, the abuse of the bench. Uh, these holier than thou, you can't touch me, I got a black robe on. It's it's like right. here, um, what was it, two or three years ago, that judge got nailed for um, having sex in his mm-hmm. chambers yeah. with a woman who was in his courtroom. And he said yeah, if yeah, she did it, he would let her off. And he said he got mad that they fired him because this thing blew yeah. up. They fired him, and he said, well, he thought because he had his robe on, they couldn't do anything about it. Mm. And he Mm. was protected. He had immunity. And I I thought, for God's sake, how bad is this going to get? So apparently, according to him, you can extort sex from people in your courtroom, and as long as you do it in your chamber with your robe on, they can't (laughs) touch you, according to him. He has immunity. And um, But it's just, you know, do you ever wonder what would happen? is like in these guardianship cases, if several of these victims of like, say the same guardian, same attorney, same administrative yeah. hearing examiner, mm-hmm. uh, like I say, they are not judges. Don't call them judges. They are not judges. And if they got together and filed to guardianize the guardian, they've demonstrated <laughs> that they are a danger to society. Yes, and, they are, um, all of them. Yes. So why yeah. couldn't you do that? Of course, you're not going to, but it would make a big stink. And, um, you know, sometimes that's worth, you know, but a little something. But, you know, go after these people. Use the same things on them they used on you and see how far you get. Well, and you uh, well, But you this thing. Is, group, you can do a group loss. There are group lawsuits that you can. It's, it's yeah, just the problem. Class action. It's just, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's not. It's not a. They don't call it class action because that's really for like consumer type of stuff. It is a group lawsuit, but uh, it's probably a difficult thing to find an attorney who's willing to do that because you're going after the system. You know, ultimately the yeah. guardians are getting away with this. The guardians are nothing more than a tool for the system. The system knows what's going on. Uh, you know, at mm-hmm. the end, it's well. You- listen to this. It's all signed off by a judge. That's how they're getting away with it. So, you know, in, in 2010, 2010 up in Wisconsin, we were fighting the USDA over some crap they were pulling. I won't get into that. But anyway, many of the people that were fighting USDA were pro se, and they were far more proficient than any attorney would have been. The Supreme Court of Wisconsin in January of 2011 came out with their new rules and they said because they can't stop you from pro se they would still hear pro se cases but no one could help you with your case and if they did they were guilty of a class c felony Mm. and i thought what what and yeah put that in there and people went okay it just kills me hang on we got another caller here Hold on just a second. Let me get this queued up. Okay. Area code 239. Did you have a question or a comment for our guests? I um, I think I have a comment. I'm calling from okay from Florida. My, my name is Hillary Hogue. And, um, oh, hi, Hillary. I'm just, hey, Marty. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Good. And this is, a, this is a really good show. And, I, you know, two things briefly. I do think that there is such a connection – in in regards to the similarities between family court with children child custody cases and with um with guardianship cases i'm not really in a good way tonight because um a victim uh her father was put into guardianship today in 2021 when everything is supposed to be above board and everything is supposed to be transparent he kept his right to vote to choose where he lives, uh-huh. to socialize. But, of course, he lost every right having to do with his finances. And um, mm-hmm. he's 92, lost his wife a year ago. And maybe my question is, how can we stop the madness? I, I don't know, Hillary, but the reason he- – uh, if you look at, if I would say, 90% of guardianship cases where they claim a person is incompetent, to the, they can't handle their fine, they can't do but they can keep the right to vote. Really? Well, I wondered about that here year before last, so I got to dig into it. And what did I mm-hmm. find? They, This is when they talk about voting fraud. What it is, <laughs> is especially in guardianship cases, they gather all of these up and, like, say you had – 150 people in a nursing home during the year, and 25 of them passed away. Uh, the guardian and other people will collect the names of those deceased people, and they will take those plus people who are under guardianship who retained the right to vote, and they bundle these, and they sell them to either political party through attorneys. They sell them to these political parties, and they fill out these votes. That's where you're dead people votes come from this is people who passed away in the nursing home who were under guardianship or 
you just passed away. The guardian, the nursing home will pass those names along, social security numbers, all pertinent information, because they get a little bit of money there. And then everybody that's under guardianship got to keep their right to vote. And the guardian many times will collect all these people that they've got under guardianship who got to keep the right to vote, and they will go vote for them. Or they will take them to the polling place, uh, supposedly incompetent, and direct them on how to vote. But this I mean, is where this honest, comes from. In the in, in all honesty, I mean that's the least of my concern. If if someone who is in guardianship is, is deceased, I don't. I honestly don't care. And again, I don't care what party you're affiliated with. I will vote for yeah. Mouse, Char, you know Charles Manson if he were still alive. If he would get us any where near uh, justice for people who have died, people are, that are living in, and to prevent any other uh, victims from going yes. into Well, I'm just, just pointing out, this is why they leave them with the right to vote. They'll strip every other right away from them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, or they can't even yeah. breathe without mm-hmm. permission, but they will leave them with the right to vote, and that always struck me odd why they did that. And, well, and, now we know. Right, and but, also... To me, it seems, Marty, that they leave, you know, they'll say, okay, but you retain the right to vote. So it's not a plenary. It's not a full guardianship. It's only a limited one. Well, you know what? Yes. Really doesn't mean much. Oh, really doesn't mean much. I can talk to you both about a limited guardian, you guys. I, my, Uh, my uh, public administrator here or the uh, guardian was limited on my mother and they still took all of my mother's money. So whether they're limited mm-hmm. or pl- uh, planetary or whatever it is, they're going to find a way into your bank accounts. It doesn't matter. Yes. Um, yeah. If they have access to it, they're going to do it. Period. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, see, Christy, it, it, I, I'm looking at what what you went through, and that the being, you know, and Elaine, you also stripped yeah. of everything, even your right yeah. to practice your profession. Yep. that they do the same thing. This is nothing about children. It is other than, you know, making money. And it's nothing about older Americans needing help. That isn't yeah. what this is about. You look at both these systems dealing with the young people and the old people. It's the same system. It's how to make money. It's how to take whatever assets you might have. In the case of children, they are trafficking them through the system. There's money attached to taking these children. Lots of it. And yes. in the guardianship case, there's estates to be plundered, and they do. So it's all about money. This isn't about, about help anybody. Yes. No. Yes. That's, that's all it's about because if that was the case, there would be, um, you know, all the homeless people would be in guardianship. You know what I mean? They yeah. Need help. <laughs> they're not. Well, you know what? Hey, hey, Marty. What's ironic? What is very ironic is the women. The women, there's a lot, there's a group of, um, a percentage of people guardians who uh, are women in divorce, and they're always the same, pro, usually, from what I know, the same profile. They're like middle-aged kind of women who are dependent spouses. They're ready to come in for money. And you, what's interesting is they come in with a guardian, put one on you in family court when it's an orphan court matter, they take they sign away all your assets or whatever you would be entitled to and then after they take your assets, they remove the guardian and now all of a sudden you're left to live on your own broke. So you were only permitted to be 
They're guarding you only when you had assets in your name. Now when the assets yes. are stripped away, now they remove the guardian, and you are left to be homeless, bankrupt, and broke. So there yep. you have it. And yeah, they, yep. yeah they don't, this is nothing yeah, to do I, about caring for anybody. They do a money biopsy. No. I call it the money biopsy. They look and find out where all the money is, and then they know exactly where to find it. You know, just like you said with when you were invited for your steak dinners, here, we'll give you a steak dinner. Tell us where all your money is. <laughs> so yes. we know just, yeah, just, just where just, to find estate it. planning. Yeah. And yeah. if you notice, like Christine, you and Elaine both, you could, even if you had gone into this with an amicable separation, an agreement on, yeah. you know, custody and all of that, that court would have still driven a wedge in there and created strife and then said, these two can't get along. We have to do something else. Well, that's true. Uh, Marty, that's 100% true because my ex-husband said in court on the witness stand, he didn't really want to see the children, but his lawyer said he should. He said to me in the hallway with his attorney and my attorney, and this is years ago, he said, tell the children I'm dead. I don't want to see them. Yet I had to spend 10 years in litigation for with a guy who said to the lawyers, to his judge, he didn't care about visitation. He left the country. He checked out. He was gone. Yet the money was in litigating this custody, torturing me and our children yes. to death with bringing in, I think there must have been about 13 different people with custody between psychologists and guardian ad litems and uh-huh. I mean, it was a, a long train, a long list of people uh, that you can't believe. They could have made a, a whole big affair with all the people, a parade of people, I call yeah. it. And they were all making money. They were all billing it yes. to me and collecting it through my ex-husband. So, uh, right. you know, I'm basically, my ex-husband is basically my owner. I'm I'm his slave. And, I, you know, this is how I feel, that I'm... Uh, you know, a slave, and he was the owner. He owned me. He took control of all. He had control of all the assets, and he just doled it out to everyone. And you know, in return, he got to keep his share, but my share was doled out to all the creditors. And you know, I think that's kind of how it goes with most of the cases. And let me ask, let let me ask you a question: Do your children speak to your ex-husband, their father, at all after no. all these years? Uh, no, in fact, well, my younger children don't, uh, they, they don't see him. They don't, he never, you know, he hasn't seen him since they're little children. Um, uh, in fact, uh, well, uh, when my father-in-law passed away a little over two years ago, uh, I took my kids had gone to see, you know, the grandfather, he was sick in the hospital and, uh, I took my younger son to see the grandfather cause he really didn't know him, uh, through all the years and we didn't think my ex-husband was coming into the country because that's what we were told by family so my ex-husband turned up there and he walks by us and he said to his sister uh, my ex-husband said to his sister get rid of them and my son oh my gosh he he my son was, you know, really uh, devastated. He he couldn't believe this because he didn't see his father uh, for, you know, almost his whole life. And um, for his father to say something like that, um, you know, yeah. he just 
it was really shocking. But now, uh, my older kids, I don't think they have much relationship. I think for year, for a certain amount of years, occasionally they may have contacted him, you know, trying, you know, maybe for some money, you know. But um, no, they really don't have a, a family relationship. No, our family was really uh, torn apart, and um, and the court just exploited. The court just exploited yeah. the whole situation. But anyway, um, I don't want to take up too much time with <laughs> individual case. But, yeah. you know, um, and Christine, I wrote a book, too. I just haven't, I haven't put okay. it out. And I'm, and I'm a little worried, and it might be interesting when uh, enough people put their all their books out, <laughs> all targeting this, uh, you know, the corrupt court system, the political system, the politicians, they all cover, they're just covering this system. They, they're supposed to represent their constituents, but in, in reality, they're just looking out for the system and, and the judges. Uh, you know, there should be maybe well, and, and age restrictions on all of them, and they should be yes. paid based upon performance. Not career politicians that have done nothing in 50 years, but create there you go. problems for ordinary citizens with their draconian statutes. Yeah, right. and, the longer, and the longer they're on the bench, the more power they have. These, these judges, they, who gets 10 years? I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court, they're on for life, which is even more dangerous, but who gets 10 years in Pennsylvania? It's 10 years on the bench. The president doesn't get 10 years. They get four years, and then you have to run for re-election. And uh, these judge, listen, the judge I had in my divorce trial, he fell asleep while, during my trial. <laughs> he actually fell asleep. He, yeah, my attorney had to wake him up and say, judge, can we have a recess? And the judge, I believe he was, um, I think he was 66 at the time. And this is, and this very judge went before the Supreme Court trying trying to have the age increase to uh, seventy five, and they ended up tricking the Pennsylvania. Oh my God! That they raised the uh, age to seventy five by tricking the citizens on a voting ballot. Uh, they they had a decept uh, a question, and it was and it deceived the public. So, uh, yeah, they they need uh, to have that immunity reduced or stripped. And, um, you know, a lot of people say divorce doesn't even belong in a court, okay? It, it's, you know, there's easier systems. Uh, I think other countries, I'm not sure if it's Sweden, I forget which ones are, they have simpler systems. You know, you fill out a form. Listen, we don't go through all this court stuff to get married, so why should we have to go through all this to get divorced, you know? Money. <laughs> A multi-billion-dollar industry, that's all yeah. it is. It's about the Title IV-D yes. reimbursement. It pays for the judges, the attorneys, the state employees, and all the other experts that are defrauding you, the victim, in the system. Yeah. That's all this is about. You're a pawn yes. in their game, and you cannot escape. You can't. You're... Yeah. you're Yep. You have hidden shackles on you. There's no escape because they stalk you, chase you, and issue felony warrants for your arrest. They imprison you and take everything illegally from you in violation of statute code. 
and none of our representatives are standing up for the people. None of them. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, Christine, have you noticed, though? None of the, have you noticed that when you, you actually get to talk to one of these people, they haven't got a clue what you're talking about. They haven't got a clue <laughs> what the law is or what it should be. They're, they're absolutely clueless. Um, they can mm-hmm. tell you what's on the menu at the local restaurant, but they can't tell you. There's, these are people that are supposed to be involved, and they might get involved in an issue here and there. But in general, they sit there like a bump on a log, and it's like mm-hmm. one of the things they came out with with these uh, judges, uh, you, they had immunity because uh, they were subject to human error. So we couldn't hold them accountable to ask them to be perfect all the time. You're sitting up there as the expert in that room on the law. How could you be in error? Is, Why didn't you go look it up before fraud. you? Yeah. This is yes. fraud. And they know exactly what they're doing because my attorneys filed up to 10 appeals. They know that what they did was illegal and criminal. So there's no right. excuse for their behavior because these are attorneys, right? They yes. know what the law yep. and the statutes say. And in the attorney malpractice trial that I won, I was awarded $220,000. Well, that attorney appealed it based on two issues, a settlement agreement that I never agreed to. The Court of Appeals reversed it in his favor. That attorney, who was my attorney, Aiello, then comes and illegally liquidates 80000 from my individual retirement accounts. It's criminal what they are doing to the people in violation of code and statute. And again, it only goes back to the Title IV-D incentive payments. And think about it. Over 40 years, they've collected $616 billion. And then those state courts have been reimbursed between $1 to $11, okay? That money is used for the social entitlement programs, welfare, right? So now you've got the taxpayer footing the bill also for this fraud, extortion, and injustice, and using a child support payer to get this uh, Title IV, to to be under Title IV-D in the Social Security Act. The whole system is a fraud. There's no and other word for and it. Marty, and Marty, you know what else? If if these judges were making honest errors, then those errors would be reversed upon appeal. But most, okay. well, certainly yes. in Pennsylvania, first of all, in, in Pennsylvania, most of the appeals, I don't know exactly how much, but, you know, maybe 95% or more, they're all denied. Now, so, you know, 95% of the people filing these appeals are not just randomly filing them uh, and there has to be legitimate error because it costs a lot of money. uh, And even if you do it yourself, it still costs money to file these appeals. They're very comprehensive. It involves a lot. It's a higher level of law to do it. It doesn't matter, Elaine, what the law, statute, code, constitution says. They violate all oh, the language, understand. the beautiful language they violate. Yeah. And having attorneys file appeals, mm-hmm. it goes nowhere because if you look at Dr. Codera's uh, research, he yeah. shows that they dismiss everything. The 
federal judiciary is a fraud. The state, the probate court. Look at Sam Sugar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, His group and all the victims from his group. Enough is enough. I don't know what the answer is. Right. Well, no, yeah. that's why I was saying. That's why I was saying. If these judges were simply making an error, then mo- most of the, many of these, these appeals would be reversed. But they're not because they know what they're doing. They know. Yeah. They know when they're yeah. entering an order that's not applicable to the law. They know when they're withholding. You know, not writing up uh, factual opinions. They know. Uh, right. They and you know what the problem is. This mm-hmm. is Luann. You know what another problem is? Is that there's not too many people reporting on this because the news stations don't do it that much. No, you have they to have don't. Marty radio show and exactly. our show and a few others to get the word out. That's the problem. That's we what have. we need to do. We need to, we need to keep together. getting more and more shows, and that's why I got Miss hey, Jim Corbett Radio yeah. coming on ours. And Marty. Ask hey, other Marty, people to come on for radio shows. Yeah. Remember Why don't we do yeah. a petition to Congress and get 100,000 mm-hmm. signatures for a, uh, account, a legal system accountability bill? Why don't we do that? Why don't we get heard? We need to be heard. And I'm going to say, do you really think that we live in a democracy when we have no um, right to shape or say we want this policy changed. We have absolutely no say in nothing. We are just voting for corporate figureheads. It doesn't matter, Republican or Democratic. I mean, think about it. We have no say in any statutes, codes, policy. The experts are the perverse attorneys writing this to protect themselves and their greedy uh, empire extorting yeah. from the people under Title 4-D. That's all this is about, harming uh, a parent and a child, making a motherless and fatherless society by know. their expert uh, actions. Actions have consequences, and what they did to me is criminal, and I have not forgotten. So I think maybe a petition to Congress with signatures for a accountability act, it doesn't matter what state, federal, criminal justice, we all need to group together because the groups, they're all out there, but nobody has made any progress for accountability. We don't want amendments written. I mean, there's an amendment that for the in the Constitution that says that a parent has, uh, you know, the right to their child. Well, fundamental. They it's don't a fundamental issue. Yeah, yeah, they don't because look what they do in these quote family law courts. They're all, like you said, statutory code, right? These equity courts, but they follow no rule of law. That's what this is about. No rule of law. The statutes, whatever rights are written, we have none because they don't apply those rights to you. And, again, I had attorneys filing appeals based on statutory fraud, and they still did not reverse the egregious errors in the statutes. They hide it. It's like the 2019 Michigan Supreme Court judge saying, normally uh, we don't allow collateral attack on judgment. There's your answer. It's denied and dismissed, and CODERA has the federal research. 
So it is what it is. Yeah. The bottom line is this. The system is a fraud, period. Well said. Yeah, it is. And yes, well, and, and the thing is, and we, we actually at this point in time have, have, have nowhere to go. Uh, the thing about Nowhere. petitions. Nowhere. Uh, I've seen seen That's... this petition online, and I've heard other people talk about petitions. But here's the thing. Um, you can file, like, I always sign them because I think it's good just to show force, for one thing, petitions that I agree with, but they go nowhere. Um, I know. And you have to have 100,000 verifiable signatures, and it has to be a special form, move on, and all of those other people that put out these petitions, they actually, if they get to the White House at all, they go right into the trash. Right. Um, they won't like, look at them. Just they like won't the acknowledge them. They won't do anything. Right. Yes. The whole yes. system goes right is a into, fraud against the people. Yes. Yes. Into the trash, like you yes. said. That's what they do yep. to people. They, I, I mean, you know, you, you take a look at the Stephen Avery story on Netflix, right? Spending yes. 18 years yes. uh, in jail. And they knew eight years prior to his release, I believe, that he was innocent. Now there's a new yes. guy by the name of James Gibson who was exonerated after, I think, 29 years, seven months, and four days. I mean, his story is appalling. He was given a certificate of innocence, the first man in the country I have asked him to join forces with him to go around. I told him that we need to unite. It can't be just one person. It has to be volumes of people in different areas of the law. But it's not just criminal justice. It's every area in the law. They need to be held accountable, accountable. And there's nothing to hold these people accountable, these alleged experts that defraud you, imprison you, and then illegally take your assets. There's no recourse for the people. Why isn't the media doing any stories on this? This is appalling. Just appalling. Marty, remember about a year ago when I was on your show? And I read that this is what I was raising to you that you can't get the stories out. Of course, I'm not going to say the name, but I I became yeah. I was under siege on the show by a caller. Remember saying that's not true. People yes. write stories, but what? But they don't want to hear about these. What they people try to push it into? Oh, that's your own domestic dispute problems. But it's beyond that. It's the corruption. Yes. Yeah, and I would just definitely say to anybody, you know, the best, if you, at all possible, boycott these courts. Put them out of business because all they are is fran- they're franchises, they're businesses, yeah. making money off that's, people. That's what, you know, How I didn't do you get boycott them when they hold right. you prisoner for 15 years. Well, you can't I'm not the one. Them. Well, I'm just saying, they if you're able to hear you, they stalk you, a- you out of the yeah. country. I you but if you get able, rid of them, if you're able to okay, not girls. Yeah. Yeah, I've got about three minutes left here. Yes. Of boy, okay. this has flown by. We need to do this again, Christine. Um, Luann okay. is on with this, and I've sent Luann your phone number, so if she wants to schedule you, she can get a hold of you. And I've got a couple yeah. other shows that I think are going to be interested in yeah. having you on. And, and I can put uh, her on radio shows too. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And so. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're, you know, we'll move this thing along because the one thing you need right now is exposure because of the way they're coming down on you. Um, they they only do this stuff or do it to this extent if they think nobody's looking. And uh, uh-huh. we're looking, believe me. we got great big giant eyes. Anyway, Good. we will be back next Friday night. Uh, Terry LaPointe is coming on, and she's done a huge expose on guardianship, so she'll be coming on. And Oh, my goodness. Um, and I, I want to make an announcement. I no longer take phone calls on Saturday and especially Sunday. I need some time to myself. I'm getting <laughs> hammered to death. And it's like I said, it, my ears about to fall off. And um, and I can't hear on my cell phone anymore because I'm getting old and going deaf. And um, But anyway, that's my excuse. And um, But I'm just, you know, give me a break. If I don't get to you immediately, I will get to you. Um, it just takes time. I'm not as fast as I used to be. And so anyway, just bear with me, everybody. I'll get to you. And, um, oh, Lord, I, I don't know. You deserve Christine, the time been a to stellar. yourself. It just, you know, and you I, it, just like Luann, I, I, you know, people keep saying to me, well, well you get donations, don't you? Yeah, uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Well, went it just for the money. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's it. Uh, I yeah, got, Marty you know, and I are rich, aren't we? Time last year. <laughs> yeah, honey. And you always get this people even that won't raise their hand without getting paid. Yes. Yeah. But we'll we'll be back. We're going to be doing this again. Hillary, thank you for calling in. Uh, Thanks Luann, for having of course, me. Always welcome. You got it. Yep. Uh, thank uh, you, Marty. Cause, you were great. <laughs> you, oh, cause I called you cause. Uh oh. Elaine. <laughs> Elaine. Elaine. That's okay. Happy Elaine. to participate. Happy to participate every time and um, you know, any you know, I'm happy to come back whenever. And uh Christine, you can give me a call whenever. And uh okay. you, can give my, you can give my number to Luann as well if you want. Um and I'm trying to get okay. my book out there soon. Yeah, let me for the other number and I'll get a hold of you guys. <laughs> okay. okay. Everybody thank okay, you. Marty, this has been good good Thank you. Great yeah, job. Good night. Right. Great show. weekend. Yep. I'll be calling you, Christine. <laughs> okay, thank you. Good night, Love everybody. you guys. All right, good night. Good night.